Welcome back to Social Workers and Scriptures. I'm Susan Camacho. I'm Kat Elias. And the title of today's podcast will be Agree to Disagree. Don't forget to follow us on any of our platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Chrome. Don't forget to give us a like. In a praise report moment, yours truly, Susan Camacho. And Kat Elias. We were number 21. We're 21. We're 21. (laughs) We're 21 again. (laughs) On blogfeedspot.com, top 25 personal development and self-improvement podcasts you must follow in 2020. Go Feedspot. Check them out. So again, the title of our podcast is Agree to Disagree. The purpose of this podcast will be to help people be in line with God's word, to increase coping that leads to better decision making, to protect relationships, to create unity and harmony and be in one accord, to not to be rigid in our thinking, to help people reconcile and maneuver relationships that would otherwise be approached passively, aggressively, or prematurely. Addressing these vulnerable areas in our mental health may help address these vulnerable areas in our spiritual walk, but there are definitely some things that we are not. Kat? All right. Well, three things. So this is not a substitute for individual psychotherapy to treat your underlying conditions or chronic mental health issues. We're so glad that you're with us. We hope that you continue, but we just want to remind you that each person needs an assessment on a case-by-case basis for treatment purposes, okay? So don't go off of your meds without medical consultation, okay? Second, if you are having a psychiatric emergency, please go to your nearest emergency room or dial 911. If you are in crisis, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at one 800 273 8255. And I know I talk very quickly, so I'm going to make sure that I repeat that and very slowly, okay? Because it's very important. 1-800-273-8255. Okay. Lastly, we love the Bible. We believe that it is the ultimate authority. We are Christian, but we are not expert theologians. Our degree is not in theology, although we think that it is the ultimate authority that we run our lives by. We are mental health therapists, okay? So that's what we'll be presenting today. We are Christian and mental health therapists. So, you know, we kind of wanted to start out today on this topic of agree to disagree. Just to, just to give you guys a little bit of insight about Susan and I. Susan and I, uh, we agree on so much. No? Can we agree on yes. that? Okay, good. All right. So we agree on so much, when, especially when it comes to things like relationships, parenting. Our husbands are so lucky, huh, that we agree. <laughs> and how to deal with emotions uh, when it comes to clinical practice. We are on the same page almost always with little variances that kind of help us to keep each other in line. And uh, most of our values are the same. Uh, But we are very different in many ways, right? Very, very different. Yes. Exactly. We have different names. Start off with that. (laughs) (laughs) We have different names. Okay. So we have completely different upbringings. We have different experiences, different viewpoints, different triggers. And uh, we completely disagree. Disagree. Is that even a word? Disagree. politically. We just want to let you guys know that we are living, breathing examples of two people who can differ, but still have a genuine common thread and a strong bond. We are able to maintain a friendship, regular contact. We love each other very much as friends. And first and foremost, we are in Christ. And that is what defines us. And we believe that we are one body in Christ. Okay. So we just wanted to put that out there that the topic that we're speaking on today is something that Susan and I practice personally. We, we kind of know where we're coming from a little bit here and what works. So we're glad that you're listening and you're, you're with us today. So let's jump in. Miss Susan, speaking of, 
our topics today. When do you think that debate or playful banter crosses the line into a toxic conversation? Well, I just had this conversation with um, our, teen, our <laughs> teenage um, daughter, um, which she asked, like, you know, when is the line? And um, yeah, there's playful banter. And then obviously we draw the line at bullying. The playful banter, um, you know, there are schools of rhetoric that teach the art of debating. I work with people in the military that sometimes their sarcasm or banter can cross the line. They usually respond by telling me that, oh, that people are just getting butt hurt. They're too thin skinned. Do I need to tiptoe around these people? Is that appropriate for our podcast today? (laughs) (laughs) And so my usual... Heine hurt. Not sure. (laughs) (laughs) My usual response is... um, you know, asking if they're being too rough and yes, that they do need to tiptoe around people's feelings because it's appropriate. It's, I know that is like always a catch-all for people. Like, do I need to tiptoe around their feelings? Yes, you do because you should be empathetic to other people's feelings. It's just, that would be a healthy thing to do. We don't go around trying to purposely harm somebody and I hope you don't go purposely around trying to harm somebody. Yeah, be a ninja, a ballerina, tiptoe away. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? Both? (laughs) Do you tiptoe but then kick them? Is that that how you're a ballerina and a ninja? (laughs) So I think that it does cross the line when like you're purposely setting out really to be like malicious or ugly sometimes. You need to watch it like that you're not trying to belittle somebody, especially that's when I think the line is drawn Mm -hmm. is when you're like belittling somebody. I always like to say, say what you mean, don't say it mean, have some social awareness, um, social body cues as well. Um, It's really important. Therapists will harp till they're blue in the face about, you know, social cueing. If somebody looks harmed by what you are saying, they probably are. (laughs) If they look like wounded and like you just kick them, they probably are. Just make sure you listen to their body languages if, if they're defensive. I would say the line is, is when you're belittling someone or you're, or you're like really preying on their core person and their weaknesses. Proverbs 51 says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I always, this is one of my favorite ones. Like when I want to get all like snippy, snippity pants, um, I usually tell myself like a soft a software turns away anger, a software and I tell it myself over and over again so I could be a lot gentler than I probably would otherwise be. Kat, when do you think like a playful banter crosses the line into a, a toxic? Well, I think you're totally right. I think that once the humongous marker for me is anger, when you start getting angry. And I know we can also be talking about maybe you're doing the right things, but the other person's trying to, to, to uh, bait you to try to get you in. But I think when it comes to you and knowing when you are crossing the line into this is a toxic, this is unhealthy, I think is anger. I think that's when our pride starts to show, right? So I think that the, there's many scriptures. I can think of Ephesians 4, 26, 32. It tells us, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And before that, if you go a, a verse or two before that, it says, be angry and do not sin, right? We go towards the end of that passage. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then in 1 Peter 3.15 and 16, it tells us also that always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, 
yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I really think once you cross the line is when you start to get so angry, you get defensive, you start moving towards thought. Instead of having thought-provoking statements, you start working on condescending trigger-type words like, do you even, things like that. Um, When you start getting into personal attacks, maybe not for their beliefs per se, but for their intellect or lack thereof, their personality or lack thereof, traits, things like that. We are to defend with gentleness and respect. When you start losing sight of of God and pointing people to godly thinking, and you start focusing on yourself, things like that. I think, again, we come back to pride. When your humility goes out the door and you start thinking there's no way it can be wrong, you know, as a believer, we should have some sort of humility. We should have something to where we're saying, okay, God, are you speaking to me in this? So if you start finding your humility going outside of the door, you're probably crossing the line. Lastly, I think when you start to avoid people, when when you feel like I have to end this relationship, or if you start to sound like a clinging symbol, I think those are all signs. So I think those are all signs that we're kind of crossing the line. So if I'm thinking, how do I know? Like, what if I'm, I'm trying to protect Christian values, biblical principles? I think I'm standing up for that. When do I know that I'm standing up for Christ and for biblical principles and my values versus standing up for my ego? What do you think, Susan? When your conversation follows Christ's guideline, really, anytime we talk about any of our topics, you really need to ask yourself if your conversation, if your actions are in follow Christ's guidelines or his word. James 1, 9 tells us, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Translated into a therapist verbiage, think before you react. Behaviors are values dressed up. Think about that one. Behaviors are values dressed up. So what am I seeing as a personal affront to my person or character that's being challenged? Things are a chain of events. So go through a quick mental checklist of the ABCs of feelings, actions, behaviors, consequences before responding. And just know this, that if behaviors are values dressed up, what values are they bumping up against that is really rubbing me the wrong way? So the old adage is, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, stay silent. And I do want to say with like some parameters and not in a passive aggressive way that I'm trying to hold someone emotionally hostage to an avoidant pursuer relationship because Kat and I will talk about that at a other podcast, but that strictly means is that when I want somebody to chase me for like the response, you know, and -hmm. people get caught up in those type of things. Proverbs 13, three says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And my personal fave, Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Chances are that when you're arguing with somebody, this is not the first time you've argued with them. Trying to argue with someone at times and with certain personality types, it's like talking a wall into trying to convince that wall that it's not a wall. <laughs> you're a you gate. are going to talk <laughs> to your blue in the face. <laughs> you're you're a still hall. a wall. Not a wall. <laughs> The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Ouch. So, you know, you're in, you're standing up for Christ's biblical values um, versus your ego when you are in line with God's word and it's not based on you wanting to be right. Absolutely. Kat, what do you think? When do I know when I'm standing up for Christ's biblical principles and then when I'm standing up for my own ego? 
you know, it's a little bit late now, but I just was thinking when you're reading uh, James 119, which is, you know, we all love that verse, but I just was thinking, slow to speak. I'm so glad that doesn't say speak slowly. I would be in trouble. Oh my goodness. I'm so <laughs> I know glad it's slow to speak. I don't know why that popped out to me right now, but we sound like the micro machine guy, right? Hello? Yes, exactly. Exactly. The micro machine woman. So um, I think I think you're exactly right. I think how do I know when I'm setting up for Christ and biblical principles or my ego? I think for one, you need to have some discernment and wisdom. I think that you should be in a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit that you can hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and that you can feel conviction. If you don't feel conviction, something is wrong. If it's been a long time, that means you're probably in a zone you're not supposed to be. You might be a little bit farther away than you want to be and that you should be from the Holy Spirit. I think you should be dedicated and developed in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should be providing interceding and providing us words, giving us a peace for his word and giving us wisdom and discernment. And again, that we feel conviction when we are out of line. You should be in practice of that. If we think of Romans 12 too, we bring that up all the time. No, not being conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewal of our mind, so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, in Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's so important, right? Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We must be walking with the Holy Spirit so that we are not giving in to the desires of our flesh, because our flesh wants to yell at you. Our desire, our, our flesh wants to smack you. Our flesh wants to run away um, and cower. But in order to not give into that, we need to be walking with the Spirit. Um, and also, James tells us, I go over this. This is one of my favorite scriptures, James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So you need to ask. Ask the Holy Spirit, is this what you want for me? Should I be saying these things? Can you guide me, Lord? Give me wisdom. You know, before, I know a lot of times before, Susan and I will, take on conversations um, with people that we have to confront or whatever it is, or the, they're going to confront us, we pray about it first, right? Lord Jesus, please give me the words, please intercede, um, help my heart, or maybe soften their heart before I even speak to them. Um, you also need to be well-seasoned in, in speech and knowledge in God's word. So if you want to know, am I standing up for Christ and his principles, you need to know what his principles are. Colossians 4.6, he tells us, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Also, Paul gives us a rebuke in, in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. He tells us that we need solid food. We should have already been teachers by now, but we have to go back to the basics, which is the word. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers and discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Okay, and also, I think just practically, I don't know about you, Susan, but I know, man, there are some times where I just, I'm ready. I just want to, I just want to come out and say it, and I feel this impulsivity, and I get very irritated when somebody else keeps on talking because I want to say this one thing. And I don't know that that's from the Holy Spirit. Usually there's a piece about speaking to somebody versus that feeling of impulsivity. I don't know. Have you ever felt that before with me? The impulsive no, feeling? Of course. Yeah. Like, like there's just like this, like you're just ready to like pounce. You're like the Lion King, just, Arr, you know? Yeah. You're like Spirit of Gonzalez. Andale, andale. <laughs> uh, we're animals, mouse, lion, whichever one. <laughs> right. So um, it's like this feeling inside that you're just like ready to rawr, grab them. But that's not usually from the Holy Spirit, right? That's not the kind of lion that uh, the, the Jesus that we serve, right? Practically, that's what I think. So, you know, I think um, if we're dealing with, sometimes we have to deal with very strong antagonistic personalities, people who are ready to bait you. They got like that guy in that commercial that had the $1 bill on the hook, just throwing <laughs> it out. Do you remember that one? <laughs> with the, you don't remember 
uh, anyway, you don't watch TV. You don't even own a TV properly. Anyway, so if we were dealing with somebody who uh, sort of bait us into an argument, what do you do, Susan? What do you think that would be helpful? You've heard me say this before, and Kat laughs at me when I say this. The easiest way is to decline to bite the bait of dysfunction. Oh, my God. Um, like I said before, chances are that this is not the first time you've argued with that person. Um, and you know where it leads. It leads to hurt feelings. It leads to avoidance of that person afterwards. Um, and so if you know where it leads, it doesn't make sense to continue to do the same thing. Um, Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So Can you, you need to change one more it time? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this does not give you free reign. Um, I know some people are very literal. This does not give you free reign not to do the conflict resolution if it's warranted with like your wife or family. I'm declining to bite the bait of dysfunction. No. Susan told me not to bite the bait <laughs> of dysfunction. <laughs> no. If it's your relatives, um, unfortunately. How about you on conversation? Can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> family we do not choose and oh. so in that um we'll them out, we, it, it should be an ongoing conflict resolution repair work kind of um relationship know that some things in life i know this is probably a light bulb moment for some of you know that some things in life do not have a result the best way to move forward is to agree to disagree you know where you stand and you know where they stand leave it at that Yep, sometimes the solution is no solution at all. For those of you that are married, you get this. Sometimes wow. we are, we are wow. not and going to... And you single, don't listen right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to agree. But you know what? On everything. Yes. The old adage is don't start none, won't be none. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Watch so, out now. As therapists, we deal with antagonistic personalities all the time. Sure do. You have to learn the de-escalation techniques. Your best teacher voice, you know, your romper room teacher voice, or for social workers, your best empathetic voice. And oh, wow. it's usually a couple octaves lower than you would prefer, um, especially when you're arguing with somebody. But those are super important, especially when you're dealing with an antagonistic personality. You really need to be careful. Because it's super important to maneuver that relationship in the wisest way possible. Amen. Romans 12.8 says, if it is at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Just learn that you don't have to get into everything that people want to bait you into. You have the power to decline. The old adage saying, my mom in their, you know, in their Spanish proverbs, in their wisdom, they say, she used to say, Pueden ver un loco o dos, tú siempre tienes que decidir, which in English means there can be one crazy person or two. You always need to decide if you want to be that second person. Kat, what do you think? Well, I think um, that is completely correct. I think that you are still responsible for yourself, even if you are dealing with some people who are difficult. And they are all around. We all experience them. Some people just maneuver them more and uh, better. And some people keep them around. Other people are good with their boundaries. So they're all around. You're going to experience them. Like, she's, like you said, Susan, we experience them all the time. God still will hold us accountable. So we just need to remember that. God will still hold us accountable individually. We can't say, well, it was because so-and-so did such and such. He is going to hold you accountable. I have an organization that puts out uh, posts every day. And one of the, the posts I had just recently put out was, be humble, but don't stumble. I think here that applies. Be humble, but don't stumble. Okay, so don't let somebody else trigger you to where you are now no longer have the fruit of the spirit. 
You got some rotten fruit. You don't want that. Okay, don't let that come out. You need to be having the fruit of the Spirit. In 2 Timothy 2-26, he tells us, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. We are called not to be quarrelsome. We're called to flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In order to do that, I really think that you do have to have a core strength. You have to know your identity comes from a Christ. Your validation comes from Christ, not that person that you're speaking with. So when you have less pressure about that person having to validate you and how you feel, when you get that from God, you don't, you don't break when, you, when that other person doesn't give it to you, okay? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. We know that. And love and self-control in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it tells us um, we are not to fear man. So you need to have this core strength. In Proverbs 29, 25, it tells us the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. You need to be able to have a core strength and that is going to come from God. And again, I think we've mentioned before, I personally think balance is really a supernatural gift that he gives us when we are believers. It is very difficult to have balance in the flesh. So seek the Lord and he can help you with that balance. Now, when you're dealing with somebody with a strong personality, it's a little bit different. It's tough enough with somebody who doesn't have a personality disorder or a strong personality, but somebody who does, you have to learn a whole new set of skills. Okay. So I consider it, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, it's kind of like walking a tightrope versus walking on the curb, you know, like, yeah, you got to take care not to fall off of that curb, but it's really not that big of a deal. You don't have to really like, you don't have to balance things so much. You don't have to have extra support all the time to do that. You don't have to be focusing on every single step. But when you're dealing with somebody with a strong personality disorder, yes, or with a strong personality or who is just trying to bait you or does the same thing over and over. Yes, you need to be able to review every single step, focus on the right place so that you don't fall off. Okay. You need to make sure that you are learning that extra set of skills that you will need. And if you, again, if you lack wisdom, ask God, he will give it to you. Okay. There's a lot of things I think that we can do. Um, I think I'll save that till, till when we talk about what are the, the, the treatments of what we can do, but just know that like, if you are, keep on getting baited into something, you need to stop and review. Hey, this thing, every time I am in, I'm in communication or this topic comes up with this person, I feel this way. You need to review what is that theme that was going on. You need to decide beforehand what you're going to allow affect you and not affect you and then make a difference and a change in that, okay? If we're talking about relationships and, you know, feelings and all that fun stuff, what can we do, do you think, Susan, to not fracture the relationship with the person I'm arguing with, but still feel heard and understood? I think it's really important to use language that's not inciting. So what do I mean by that? Arguments and disputes, clinician always, clinicians kind of like to say that we begin with you statements. And so you this or you that you blah, 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 you know, hopefully not, obviously inciting (laughs) language would be bad words and hopefully you're not using those. Try not to use what clinicians call global statements. Always or never are huge. Never use those. (laughs) Our hot topic items. We don't live in an always or never kind of world. We definitely aren't Peter Pan. (laughs) Never, never then. (laughs) You're waiting for that one. I didn't know that one was coming. (laughs) Warn me next time. (laughs) And like I said, Use your, the de-escalating techniques. It usually is just a really fancy word of saying like, use a soothing voice and a couple of octaves lower that the conversation is a little bit civilized and not um, yelling match. So feeling heard and understood requires that both people be active listening. So often people are not listening to hear. So usually when somebody's like arguing, you're already, you know, in your response, you already have a rebuttal in your head. 
that's not active listening. When I'm actively listening, I'm trying to hear that person and their plight and their journey. And I'm trying to be empathetically listening. I'm, I'm really trying to see their point of view. I'm just not trying to argue with them just for the sake of arguing. And I like to say that really it is a double-sided process to be heard and understood. You need to know your audience. Like we said before, it requires a lot of maturity and inner strength. Clinicians like to call it ego strength. If that person doesn't have enough ego strength to handle an argument, which there are a lot of people of, it's just because sometimes people with their childhood traumas and a lot of their baggage, they've lost at life. You know, we have, Kat and I used to work with children and they were sexually abused. And, you know, these kids lost at life like really early. They couldn't take like even a minor loss, like playing Monopoly or playing like Sorry or whatever. They couldn't even take like a minor loss. What you would consider a minor loss might not be a minor loss for them. So just remember, like we, like what I talked about before, behaviors are values dressed up. You're bumping up against somebody's core values and whether that be justice or perceived whatever sense of right and wrong or whatever that is, it's important to them. It might be important to you, but if you can stand the loss, like why not? Why not be gracious? Why not be humble? If you're that smart or you're that, if you're that spiritual, why not? Why not allow them like that win? I know that some of you are like, no, I'm not going to let them win just to let them win. (laughs) I'm a winner. You're a wiener. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, but I held it back. But there you go. So in that, um, you know, so they can't handle another loss. And to admit like loss or defeat is to admit that their values are misplaced and that all of those things for them is like kind of like world crushing for them. Just remember that when you're arguing with somebody that has like a sensitive core, don't prey on it. Second Timothy 2. Well, you should pray, but with a A. Yes. Not EY, right? Not okay. E not yeah. EY right. like you're being a vulture. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you. So second Timothy two twenty-three to twenty-four says have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Again, as much as possible and as much as it's in your power, try to live at peace with people, you know? We don't always need to be kumbaya, but sometimes, why not? Like, mm-hmm. if it doesn't hurt you or your core and you're a strong enough, mature enough Christian to handle that loss, why? Why is that I think that you really are saying to evaluate. You need to evaluate where the other person is at, if they can handle the, if they're in their core strength, if they don't have it, you need to evaluate how important is it. How important is it? Like how much, how much, how much do I even, even like if you argue with your spouse, it takes a certain amount of energy. Like you need to figure out if that's energy you want to be expending on, on that particular conversation. Kat, what do you think? Well, I think that in order to have, have a good relationship as much as you can and not fracture it, I think the basics, you need to have humility, you need to have empathy and respect when you speak, self-control. So something that helps to de- when you're delivering tough news or controversial things, or when you are confronting things like that is if you start with em- a sentence of empathy or respect before you lay it in there, sometimes that helps them to be a little bit less defensive. And you also need, of course, watch your trigger words. Um, if you're using words that would make almost anybody defensive, not just about this particular topic, you do need to watch that because people are not going to be able to listen to you if they're already on the defensive because you're using defensive words, right? So, and that's not what you want. So, mm-hmm. so I think some sort of humility, empathy, respect in our profession, uh, we have to remember to have empathy for even people that maybe we don't agree with 
and we are able to pull out something. And sometimes we have to get down to the basics of, hey, you are God's creation and you have value and worth. And so therefore, uh, I respect you in, in that way. Therefore, I will treat you with respect. So I think those things are really important. Sometimes you can start off with, hey, I know it may be silly. Something in humility in your statement, sometimes it may be silly. I may be wrong, but I don't want to come across the wrong way. Sometimes that kind of softens the blow. Um, and like you said, I think you'd be really observant of the other person's response um, and be conscientious of how long, how intense, and how repetitive are you being. You can say something once, maybe even twice, but you start getting into a territory where you're repeating over and over and over. That's probably too much. And the other thing I think that we need to know isn't always shared sometimes is, you know, sometimes you just have to be happy that you said what you said and stop looking for so much validation from everybody else. Okay. Because like you said, they may be in a different place emotionally. They may not be able to see things the way that you do or see things correctly. Even you may be completely right and they're completely wrong, but you need to just be happy that you said what you said, take care and, and try to do your best and make sure you said it in the best and clearest way. And just be happy with that. Validate yourself. Go to God with that. Okay. Then if you decide that there needs to be limits set because there continues to be a problem, then go ahead and do that. You can decide about the relationship if you need to let it go or not at that point. But just sometimes just be happy that you said what you said, how you said it in the best way possible. And it's up to them to decide how to interpret that and take it. Okay. So be happy with that. And just know you cannot salvage all feelings and in all relationships. You just can't. In John 15, 19, it tells us if you were of the world, the world will love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but uh, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you, okay? So don't always expect and have this need that everybody will accept me and and those things. You take the best care that you can, but sometimes people have to process on their own time and it's not always on your timeline. Lastly, like you said, be wise, know when to share. Fool gives full vent to a spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back, okay? So know when to share. And so I think you brought up excellent tips about when to have discernment to know when to share or not. So um, the last thing is that in relationships, if there, there must be some sort of balance, if you're always harsh or you're always confronting, you're out of balance. You need to have some sort of joy in there, some other areas that you connect on. Make sure you have other things in your relationships that show care and connectedness. So that way you can come across and it's not, it doesn't look like, oh, you care nothing. It doesn't look like you care and you don't care at all because you're confronting them on something because they know that you care in all these other ways. Okay. And then you can do a check-in with them at points in the discussion. Hey, is this too much for you? How, where are we at? Right? Okay. So if we talk about, as we wrap up now, what are some tangible, biblical, practical ways that we can use and tools we can have when dealing with confrontation? Some practical um, therapeutic tools. Therapists harp on errors in thinking. And so we do have a top 10 stinking thinking list. I'm going to go through the list of them for the sake of this particular podcast. I'm just only going to highlight one. Maybe at a future date, we'll go through all of them. But some of them are all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, mental filter, discounting the positive, jumping to conclusions, magnification, emotional reasoning, should statements, labeling, personalization, and blame. These are in no particular order. No one is worse than the other. But use them as a guide kind of to red flag yourself. Definitely. Because it is going to be super important. Um, in terms of that stuff. So I need you to know that with this one, with the stinking thinking, what's important is that the splitting. I will say that is probably what general category you are in when the all or nothing thinking. Splitting is the failure in a person's thinking or thinking to bring together the dichotomy of both positive and negative qualities of the self and others into a cohesive, realistic whole. So this one is. It's right or it's wrong. 
It's black mm-hmm. or it's white. You're either with me or against me. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we've talked about that before, right? About um, And just to highlight, again, splitting is another name for black or white thinking. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. maybe they're not confused about that. But definitely that is something that comes up all the time, right? That you're either with me or against me. And, and we talk about, and something I think about sometimes is really that is reserved for Christ. That's really, you're either with me or against me. It's mostly reserved for Christ. His people, when they're talking about biblical things, but really it's reserved for Christ, not man, not usually. Emotions are gray sometimes. It's not, we would love it to be black or white, right or wrong, all of these things. But in healthy thinking, I can be with you and against you at the same time. I can be with you because I love you as a family, but against you politically. So often in life, like I said, things are gray. You can be sad, happy when somebody um, passes away. Sad because the physical person is no longer with you, but happy that they're no longer in pain and you have these shared memories and like a past Mm -hmm. together. Things can be both. And so Mm -hmm. just remember that when agreeing to disagree with somebody, you're still my neighbor, you're still my friend, you're still my sister or my wife. However that is, we can forge forward with differences of opinion. The old adage is don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's the idiom. And another thing is is that you can learn to be assertive. Assertiveness is the balance between aggression and passivity. And another one is have boundaries. Let whoever know where you stand and hopefully you know where they stand. And set parameters around your guys' conversation. If you know that you're always going to be in conflict about politics or religion, then take that off the table. That's right. Whatever it is that incites that conversation, just take it off the table. It's allowed, you if know? You can't just, handle it. Right. Yeah, if you, mm-hmm. if you guys can't handle that conversation, don't get into it. Like, don't, don't ruin everybody's holidays over, <laughs> over you can't, like, agree to disagree. Biblically, don't argue for the sake of arguing. Take inventory of yourself and the energy that, like I said, you want to expand and if it's worth it. Proverbs 3.30 says, do not contend with a man for no reason when he does you no harm. And really check your pride. Is it that you want to be right? Like I said before, can your ego not handle a loss? Do you want to be intellectually superior? Do you want to show your prowess and fluff your peacock feathers as an alpha male? These are the tenets for an argument in the first place. Like I want to be right. I want to win the argument. Check your intentions um, and your motives and ask God for your intentions and your motives. If it's based on, on pride, then ooh, you better watch it because God says that <laughs> ouchies, he resists the proud. So you need to be super careful. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The Bible says it goes before destruction. Yes, I said destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If your motives are pure, like social change or advancing God's kingdom, like apologetics or lawyers that have degrees in rhetorics that they set out for social justice, by all means, the Bible gives you credence for any of that. The Bible says in Jeremiah 9, 923 through 24, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boasts in this that he understands and knows me that i am the lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight declares the lord biblically be humble like i said before if you know more things than people if you're if you're wiser in some ways then implement that wisdom when you're talking to other people the bible says in ephesians 4 2 with all humility and gentleness with patience and bearing one another in love Proverbs 22, 4 says the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Kat, what do you think? Biblically and clinically, what can we do? Well, one, I think spot on in regards to um, we need to be praying. Okay, so 
there are certainly times where we can have influence on somebody, but we cannot control somebody, right? So it's a big difference. So the only one that can really change the heart is the Lord. So if somebody's heart needs changed and you can see it, and that's what you assess, you need to pray to the Lord for God to soften their heart, okay? And to intercede in your words. If you are a person that is hot-headed or gets very passionate, um, God probably uses that passion for wonderful things, but um, you need to ask the Lord to intercede for you with the words um, and for the right temperament, okay? Um, so definitely pray. Also remember that you were lost too once. You know, it's so easy to forget that, hey, we were lost in our thinking. Man, if I think about how I thought about before the Lord, oh my goodness, I'd be one of those people I'd be arguing with for sure. Remember that you once were lost too and use that not to hold you down, but to have empathy for somebody else, okay? Uh, one of my personal beliefs that is that we really are only a few decisions from almost any other person, right? We can, we can think we're so far away, but really, we're only a few decisions away. And it only takes particular situations to really test that, okay? So remember, you are lost to and God went after you, okay? Have empathy. And also remember, if, if the person you're speaking with is so far off um, and really is wrong, it may be indicative that they're not right with the Lord or they're a little bit far so you need to, instead of being so mad sometimes, you should feel sorry for them because to be apart from the Lord is the worst thing that can happen. And so you need to be praying for them to come closer to the Lord so that their struggle with you may be indicative of their struggle with the Lord. Biblically, that's what I think. You need to know yourself. You need to know whether you are doing well enough to have that conversation, whether you are have enough self-control in that minute or you're freaking out or you are extra stressed so you might become uh, unglued at the mouth that might not be the time that you speak to this person about those particular things. Along those lines, I know it seems kind of silly, but overt rehearsal can be so helpful when you're dealing with somebody that is difficult to deal with or who completely disagrees, or you have to confront a situation that's tough before you even speak to them, okay? You want to think about what will you say? And it's one thing to just think about it, but you really, you probably need to write it out. I know it seems so silly and so tedious, but really it's helpful because when you go to speak to that person, you might, it might make sense in theory in your mind, but when it comes out in words, you might be speaking in circles, um, you might blank out, it might, you might be searching for words, and you really need to write those things down. So you need to decide, what will you say? You need to also anticipate, what will they say? You know their personality, you know how they respond, you know their trigger words, whatever, you know how they try to trigger you. Think about what they'll say, and then you need to think. Take, and you need to be strategic sometimes when you're dealing with somebody with a tough personality or confronting particularly tough situations. You need to think about what they will say and also how you will respond. Resolve how you will act and respond, okay, before you even go to them. Now, you don't have to stick to it per se, but this is your plan. And maybe you even need to bullet point it and bring it with you. Also, try to envision a video camera watching you and your conversation. When we are on tape, or I don't even know, is it still called tape? I don't know. When you're being recorded, I don't know. And we're back to like Polaroid times or something. I don't know. Um, when you're being recorded, um, we tend to act differently when we know we're being recorded, right? So envision that there's a video camera in the room with you while you're talking to that person. That may change things a little bit. Would you be bothered for somebody else hearing or would they be bothered hearing what you're saying in the way that you're saying it? Um, that's, I think, one, a practical way to kind of start figuring out where do I stand? What do I say so that I don't cross the line? Where you're doing these things, just get it over with. Get that talk on. Get it over with. The sooner it'll be done. Um, remind yourself, however it goes, I can handle it. Okay. And you need to make a decision. 
if something keeps on bothering you over and over, you need to decide, is this something that I need to present back or is this something that I can let go? Does this thing that we're talking about define our relationship? If it does, you need to decide, am I doing the black or white thinking that you're talking about, right? I think instead of, and then also remember again, you can influence people possibly, but you cannot control them. Try to think less like you are God, but more like, like Paul. I was thinking about this, like kind of like Paul. He always remembered that he was a sinner before. He always remembered what he did to persecute the church. That kept him humble, but he didn't stay there. He never shied away from proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the truth. He had a very strong personality, but he cared about the way he was perceived and the way that he approached people, yet he still told them the truth. So think about those things as you, as you go along. You already spoke about de-escalation. Um, lastly, you know, we're always talking about laughter. We're always laughing. So remember to laugh, okay? And don't be a one-trick pony. You need to be able to have a, um, other things in your, in your relationship, other things you can talk about, other things that are interesting, other than that one thing that you guys always disagree on. So that's my piece. So I think if I was thinking about what I would want you to take away from today, let God be your guide. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. He is powerful. He can give you all the words and every word that you need, um, but you have to be close to him in relationship to hear him or feel him, okay? Stay humble. Don't stumble. And remember that you were once lost too. What would you want everybody to take away, Susan? Um, I want people to take away that there are going to be people in heaven with different political views and every race, shape, and size. In healthy transactions, we can still agree to disagree and no one is less than. We don't dehumanize people. We definitely don't have to always be kumbaya, but when it's possible, I would hope Good. that we would be some kumbaya, you know? Um, the Bible tells us that we're to try to live in peace with one another. Like again, mm. Romans twelve eighteen says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So I use that scripture a lot because when I'm like, you know, in conflict and I think like, oh, geez, you know, have to do in the conflict resolution piece. But I'm like, no, as much as possible, I want to be at peace with people, mm-hmm. you know? Which is different than kumbaya, right? So. We can be in peace. And that's what yes. the Lord says. He can provide a perfect peace. That's a yes. all understanding. That is a sign of the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. That's what I wanted people to take away from this podcast is that to try and live in peace with other people, you know? Kat, can you take us away in prayer? Absolutely. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time that we have together. Thank you so much, Lord God, that we can worship you, Lord Jesus, together. Thank you that we are all different members, but of the same body, Lord God, that we have different talents, different strengths, different personalities, different intensity levels. Yet, And we just pray that you that we would utilize those things, those things that you have gifted us, not in excess to where it is sinful, but rather that we use it for your purpose, Lord God. We pray that we would be living in your purpose and that we would hear you when you speak, Lord God. May your voice be the loud, loudest voice that we hear, Lord Jesus, and may we abide in you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. Until next time. All right. Take care. Bye.